us online. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. We have been walking through a series called Uncharted, where we just said, hey, everybody is having the same conversations right now, right? Like 2020 has been new for everyone, and so we have had all these conversations, but what makes our conversation different from those that might be outside the church? Like for someone who is a believer and for someone who is not a believer, like what defines what you say? And man, if there is one term that has just become synonymous with 2020, how many times have you heard the term during these uncertain times? And it's usually said in that voice. It's almost like you're watching one of those commercials where they're going to ask you to give to some like puppy rescue fund and Sarah McLaughlin's playing in the background. It's really sad music. And then they lower their voice in these uncertain times. Like we've heard that so, so often. Like even yesterday, I was joking and laughing a little bit because we were doing our garage sale. And speaking of that, let me do a couple things real quick before I get into the message because I will forget them because I'll get excited about this. Garage sale was awesome this weekend. Thank you so much to everyone that came out, helped out, donated, bought stuff, served, everything like that. Guess what? We still have everything over there. And so what we're going to do when service is over, ask you a couple things. One, if you would like to go over and quickly purchase something, you can go buy your stuff back. We'll sell it to you. Um, that's okay. But please go over there, quickly look through. We will give you a bag. Anything you can fit in the bag, three bucks. So online, if you're watching, like, oh, minutes after service, go over there and help us throw it into a truck real quickly. Um, we're going to be taking all of that stuff to Salvation Army so it hopefully can still go to a better purpose. Um, but we would love your help if you could spare a few minutes to go over there and get things loaded up. Second thing, because I kind of forgot it. Uh, we were going to do another college lunch today, but because we've got that, if you're, in, if you're a college student, young adult, career, anything like that, we actually launched a life group last week, and I'm super excited about that. Woody woo. Um, let me invite you to this, if, if you're kind of in, in, that, in that crowd. Um, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock here at the church, um, that life group is meeting. We would love for you to come and check it out. Um, instead of lunch today, we will get you dinner on Tuesday night. So if you fall into that group and you go, hey, I like free food, Tuesday night here in our gym, uh, Shuby kind of wave your hand a little bit. That's uh, Shuby. We call him Shuby. He has a different name. He can tell you about that later. Um, but he will be outside. We'd love to meet you and at least get some information uh, from you and just invite you out to that. Okay, got those announcements out of the way. But yesterday, we were having the garage sale, and we needed to send JD somewhere to get something. We needed to send him to Sam's. And he didn't know where Sam's was, which is amazing. Um, it's Abilene. Come on, people. And we're trying to give him directions. And finally, it was like, don't you have a phone? Yeah, just plug it in. Like, you have certainty in that. Like, this doesn't need to be an uncertain thing. This is 2020. We have telephones. But some of us, if you go back in time a little bit, like, I remember being in college, and I was going to Waco, Texas to watch a football game. And we, I was meeting a group, and they were meeting at a church, and I was like, I'll just find it. Well, Waco is kind of the size of Abilene. And if you've never been there before, I just, 19-year-old me just goes driving off into the night. And I get there, and I can't just find said church, because kind of like Abilene, there are a lot of churches in Waco. Um, and I start driving around, and I end up in an area that I knew, I would say this, I was uncertain if my car were to break down that I would be alive the next morning. Like, it was super, super sketchy. Um, completely uncertain moment of, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I picked a phone up because we at least did have cell phones then, called somebody, and turns out I had driven right by the church because I'm an idiot. Um, but, man, this year's been that moment. Like, we have had so many things where you look at and you go, man, I, I don't know what's going on here. 
And everyone's kind of felt that. So as believers, what do we do? Like when we face uncertainty, when we don't have the answer, and look, I am very much wired. I like to have the answer. I like certainty. But what happens when things like this show up? And, you know, we talk about a pandemic, but look, there's a reality that you're going to walk through chapters of life where you don't have the answers because you are not God. So what do we do with that? So this morning, as crazy as 2020 is, I want to go back 3,000 years ago. Because 3,000 years ago, they were still dealing with uncertainty. They dealt with plagues. They dealt with pandemics. And David, a man after God's own heart, this unbelievable giant of the Old Testament, he writes. I love it. He's like a warrior poet. Yes, he killed Goliath, and then he could sit down and write poetry that was beautiful. And we're going to look at Psalm 13 today, a time where David was a little uncertain about what was going on. And we're going to see, hopefully, what can happen in our lives. Because it's going to start one way. And it, look, we're only looking at like six verses. And it's going to end very differently. So I'd invite you to turn to Psalm chapter 13. And we're just going to kind of walk through that this morning. And if you came in here today and you were uncertain about something, maybe you were uncertain about, hey, like, we got some things going on at home, and I just don't know what I'm going to do with it. I got things going on at school, and I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. I got things happening at work, and it, I, I may not have a job tomorrow. Like some of you may have come in here today carrying some weight of uncertainty, and I hope, I really hope by the end of this, your life looks like David. And so in Psalm chapter 13, just the first couple verses, David says this, to the choir master, a psalm of David, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? Now, that sounds real chipper, right? <laughs> like you came into church and we sang and you're excited. It's going to be a great message. And then David's like, mm, nah, <laughs> we're going to be a little Debbie Downer here. <laughs> like he starts this off. This is basically a prayer that David makes. And he says to the choir master. Now, it's interesting there. Like we have never actually figured out who he's talking about. It could have been David was a musician and he played instruments and he may have had like a head musician and these are the notes he's making. Some people also say when he says to the choir master, he's actually saying to God himself, that God is the one who is orchestrating this beautiful time of worship. And so he addresses it there and he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? I'll say this as we kind of start off, everyone has experienced a time of uncertainty. You're not alone. Like sometimes you feel like maybe you're the only one going through this. Sometimes you feel like, man, this is so unique to me. There is no one else that I can reach out to. There's not a voice out there that can speak into my life. You are not alone. David, a man after God's own heart, a man who loved God fiercely, a man who went out and faced a giant when no one else, grown men, wouldn't face him. David's a young boy, and he says, I'm just not going to let this man speak about my God in that way. And he goes out, and he lays him on the ground. David, a man who danced around for the joy of God, faced uncertainty. We don't actually know exactly what circumstance is happening right now. David faced a lot of different adversity in his life and uncertain times. There were times where there was a king trying to kill him. There were times where there were other countries trying to invade his country. We don't actually know what this particular one is about, and I think that kind of makes it okay. It just kind of adds to the fact that, look, you are not alone in this. 
if David, if God who is just all about God is having to walk through these uncertain moments, man, what that tells me is, yes, there is a voice out there. Let's let it be God's word. Because if he can emphasize with us, like we understand that, look, we're all in this together. You're not having to walk through this alone. And so this becomes a prayer. And he begins, he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget about me forever? How long is David becoming a five-year-old kid in the back of the car going, are we there yet? Like, this is what that moment is. Like, some of you have experienced that. Like, I have. I'll just put it that way. Um, when we travel to visit our family, all of our family lives in between five and six hours away, and it never fails within 10 minutes of leaving Abilene. My kids are going, are we there yet? I'm like, you made this drive, right? Like, you've, you've been there before. But this is David going, are we there yet? Like, how long, oh, Lord? Like, he really wants to know, because here's where uncertainty sets in. If I tell you, hey, you're going to have to suffer a little bit, but I give you a time frame. The way that we're wired is, okay, if I know the time frame, I can kind of man up a little bit and I can prepare myself and I can feel like I can get through it. Like if I know this class is going to be hard, but this class lasts for one hour, I can make it through. Now, if you send me to a seminar and you don't give me a time frame and I don't like the speaker, I'm sitting there going, how long, oh Lord, before this is over? Hopefully you're not saying that during the message, right? <laughs> but this is where uncertainty sets in. Sometimes we don't get that answer. And he's crying out to God saying, how long? God, like, just, just give me a time frame. Is it going to be a year? Okay, if it's a year, I'll figure it out. Is it six months? I'll figure it out. Is it a day? That would be awesome. But he just wants to know. But when you don't know, that's where uncertainty sets in. And that's where we find ourselves a lot this year. Like, how long are things going to be shut down? There were times where people didn't have an answer for that. It was just go home. How long are we going to have to meet online only? We don't know. Thank you. That's what the military tells you. But we, just, we get those questions like, we don't know. How long before someone finds a cure? And then if you take out all of the pandemic stuff, like how long would you maybe have to walk through a valley? Like when you got here today and things aren't perfect and there's issues going on at home and you just feel like, God, how long? How long? That's where the uncertainty comes in. Because if God said, I'll have you in this for just a little bit, you'd figure out a way. But when you don't have that answer, man, it is a bit of a whip. And David feels like this because he feels like God just isn't present. So he says, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I said we're all in this together like you don't have to walk through this alone. Most, most everyone has probably asked that question before. And we may not always like to talk about it. But some of the times we feel like we're walking in uncertainty is because we feel like God just isn't there. And again, that's not one that we all celebrate and go, oh, yeah, I think that all the time. But the reality is a lot of times we kind of find ourselves being like David and going, is God even here? Like this pain is real. Is God here? This time is uncertain. Is God here? My prayers aren't being answered. Is God here? And I want you to know he is. But at the same time, pretty much all of us have probably been in a spot, man, where you walked through and just said, God, I really need you to show up. I remember before coming to South Point, spending 18 months looking for a job. I had never done that in my entire life. I looked from one side of the coast to the other, from dang near Canada to Houston, went all these different places, interviewed, and just was the best runner-up in the world. 
What's the term? Like, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. It was like, that's me in the guy form. And I remember having some conversations going, God, I know you're here, but I really feel like I need you to show up a little more. And if you find yourself in that place, man, if you take away anything this morning, please take away some words from Isaiah. In Isaiah 49, it says this, but Zion, like the city said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. And God's response is, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Never feel like God has left you. He says, I literally have your name on the palms of my hands. And so he looks and he says, Jamie, I haven't forsaken you. David, I haven't left you. I know it's figurative, but those are pretty big hands, right, to have every name on them. He says, I know you. You can cry out and go, man, how long, how long, how long? But rest assured, he is there. Because right now, David is running on feelings instead of facts. And feelings are a weird thing when it comes to our spiritual lives. Sometimes you can go to one or two different extremes. Sometimes we just try and take all the feeling out of it. Like if I'm not careful, that's, that's probably the side I fall on. I, the way my brain thinks is a little more logic, black and white, not a lot of gray area. And there's times where I go, man, I don't ever want this to just be a feeling moment because feelings can be manipulated. Like I could get up here and say certain things and lower my voice like that. And like hearts can be moved. Like feelings at times can be dangerous. But at the same time, you can't just be so logical like that. God gave us feelings. He's the one who put them there in the first place. But right now, David's feelings are dictating his life. And his feelings are saying, God, you're not there. You have forsaken me. And the facts of the matter are God's going, I have not done that. So I'm still here. David feels so uncertain because he says, how long, or he says, how long must I take counsel in my soul? David's relying on himself right now. That can be a dangerous spot to be in. Like, we can become really self-assured of ourselves. Like, I have a saying in our family, often wrong, never in doubt. Like, I can definitely fall into that. But you know what? If you think you can do it all on your own, you have missed out. We have got to rely on God. We have got to trust him. We've got to put aside some of the feelings and say, hey, instead of looking inward, looking inward isn't always the answer. You've got to look upward. Because sometimes we try and take it upon ourselves, like, I'll just figure this out, and this is where David's at. No, I'm David. I killed that giant. I protected this country. I can, I can do this. And then he, he's seeking him own, his own self over and over and over again, and he's missing out on the fact that, you know what, we need to think less and we need to pray more. And so he actually starts to take his own advice, and he doesn't even realize it yet, because he's praying in this moment. So he's thinking less, he's praying more, and then he goes into, he says, how long must I take counsel in my own soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So David has found uncertainty pretty much everywhere that we can. He says at first, he says, how long, God, will you forget me? So he's found uncertainty in his relationship with God. And we've got to stop there for a moment. Because sometimes you can come to church and still wrestle with that uncertainty. That's a reality. And so if you're in here today, if you're watching online, 
And that's where you go, man, that's a, that's a level of uncertainty that I have. That's a big area. There is no, I, I just don't know if there's a better comfort in my life of knowing that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's only through him that has saved me. That uncertainty, I just, I don't want that to creep in. Like, everybody kind of wrestles with that at times. But if you're in here today, or you're watching, and you're going, man, that's me. Like, I, that's the uncertainty I'm really wrestling with. That outweighs everything else that we could possibly talk about. Because that's eternal. 2020 is going to come to an end at some point, right? I mean, by definition, we are going to, if Jesus doesn't come back, get to 2021. Now, who knows what that'll look like? Um, I saw somebody that said, I'm not going into 2021 until I see a trailer. Then um, I'm like, yeah, kind of curious about that. But it's going to, this will change at some point. But if you're uncertain about where you stand before the creator of all the cosmos, of all the universe, know this. You don't have to walk out of here with uncertainty in that one. What I love about God is the fact that he loves us. And we, as sinful people, rail against him with our sin, and that separates us from God. But in his grace and in his mercy and his love, 2,000 years ago, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, lived a sinless life, perfect, so that he could then lay that life down and offer himself up as the ultimate sacrifice to satisfy God's wrath towards sin. And when we as sinful people go, I don't want that life anymore, I want to turn from that and I want to follow Jesus Christ, in that instant, there is certainty. Because that person is made into a new creation. Now, love in Ephesians 1, he says, I have sealed you. If you are in Christ, you are sealed for all eternity as a child of God. And so David is wrestling with some of that. But if you're wrestling with that today, please know this. You can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And it's from turning away from that life and saying, I want to follow him. And that's a big level of uncertainty. And David's wrestling with that one, right? But then he goes in and he says, well, I'm also even uncertain with myself. Like I'm taking counsel in myself and I just don't know how well that's going to work out. And that's where there's times where some of us, if you have a motto like often wrong, never in doubt, you're going to find yourself in a place where you go, I shouldn't be doing this. And I don't even always mean in a sinful way. You just do dumb stuff, right? Like I remember moving here. When I moved here, if some of you kind of remember, I was a little bit broken. I kind of had like a couple months where I was like, you know what, I'll wreck cars like baking cookies. Um, And uh, man, my collarbone was broken. I had fractured both my ankles in a car accident. And we get here and we get all of our stuff moved in. Um, And one thing that I didn't get quite moved in when I had people to help me was our bed frame. And uh, it needed to go to the back bedroom. And I was like, I can do that. It's like one in the morning. Um, And I have several broken bones. And I'm trying to carry this bed frame to my bedroom. And halfway down the hall, I realized not happening. But at the same time, I'd already taken part of it apart to where if I let go, it's actually going to break it and it will not be fixed and my wife will kill me. Um, And I just remember like leaning against the wall as a grown man, like sweating, crying a little bit and going, God, like crying out to God, how long, how long will this hallway be, oh Lord? Like it was one of those moments where it's like, man, I trusted in myself and myself couldn't get it done. And finally, after like a 10 minute break, I got it back and I just threw it on the floor and I think I slept on a mattress. Um, But there's times where David goes, hey, I'm uncertain about myself. And then he goes, I'm uncertain about the things around me. I mean, my enemies are out there. I don't know what's going on. The things that I know I have no control over, the outside circumstance, the outside people, he's in a weird spot of uncertainty. And then he continues on. 
Verse 3. It says, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. And so as he continues to pray, he gets a little bit desperate. And I'd say this, when times seem uncertain, desperately rely on God. Desperately. He repeats himself a little bit. He says, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. He's already asked, how long, O Lord? He's not asking a different question. What's happening here is when you go back 3,000 years, you have to understand this is a different culture. Um, We are most certainly westernized. And when I say that, some of you are like, yeah, we live in West Texas. I don't just mean that. I mean, as a general sense, this is the West world. Um, East and West can be a little different, right? Like I grew up in East Texas and I tell people, look, East Texas is there just to get people ready for Louisiana. Like we're kind of the buffer. We're getting you ready for what you're going to experience on that side. West Texas is a little different. Well, East and West here are very different because really Christianity is an Eastern religion and it's written from a bunch of Hebrew people. The way that Hebrews would write, like typically when you write a story, if you were to write something down, you would go, the beginning, middle, end. Well, that's not how Hebrews did. The Hebrews would go beginning, end, middle. They would use repetition a lot to kind of put emphasis on things. This is David just simply being a Hebrew. That's why if you read Genesis 1 and 2, some people go, well, that's, that's two different stories. Like, you've got God creating the world in Genesis 1, and then you've got another story of God creating the world in Genesis 2. And some people read that and They make weird assumptions out of it that there's two different stories. But no, that's just how the Hebrews wrote. They would give it a big, big, big brushstroke to begin with. And then they would come back and fill in the details. One of the ways they would do that is by repeating themselves pretty often. And this is what David's doing here. He's just repeating and saying, hey, I'm I'm, I'm still crying out, but now I'm desperate about it. Why is it that we see desperate prayers answered more often than flippant ones because there's times and i'm not saying like not because you just pray it there's not an exact number well if you pray to god 500 times on the 500th try he's going to have to answer it because we know that's not true i'd be taller um that's just reality but why is it that when we are desperately praying we seem to find ourselves seeing god work more often what desperation does is it moves us closer to god's word It moves us closer to God's will. It moves us closer to his heart. Because when we get desperate, what often happens is you find yourself crying out and you find yourself searching scripture and you find yourself seeking God's will. And this is where David's going. Man, times are uncertain, but he's getting deeper into this. He's getting deeper and he's he's crying out over and over again. And when we do that, we get desperate about prayer, and it's not just some, oh, God, thanks for the food today. You know, somebody texts you and says, hey, will you pray for something? And you text back that obligatory praying, and then you don't do it. The difference between that and you sit down with people sometime and go, no, we are going to spend some time in this. We are going to get desperate for God's will and his word and his heart. That's where prayer starts to line up with his will a lot. And this is where David finds himself. 
Consider and answer me, O Lord. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. He goes, God, right now times are so uncertain. It's like there's this fog covering my vision, and I just I can't see clearly, God, and I want to. Like, I want to know what your will is. I don't want to be there, this uncertainty all around my life. Like, I want to be where you are, but, man, it just feels like there's this fog covering my eyes. God, give me vision before I sleep the sleep of death because, man, spiritual uncertainty can lead to spiritual death at times. And he's just crying out. But then he even kind of throws in, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice before I'm shaken. That's one thing I love about David. In the middle of this prayer, he's still thinking about the people that are trying to derail against God. Like he's known this from the time he was a young boy. Like the whole story of David and Goliath starts with Goliath marching out and mocking God and no one wanting to do anything about it. And David having such a fervent love of God to go, I'll kill this guy. Like, and he did. But he's still thinking about his enemies. He's still thinking about the people that are out there that are railing against who God is and what God's will is. And he says, God, the last thing I want to hear is them boast over me. And I love that because, man, we have hit my favorite time of year. Like, we have a saying in our family, we interrupt this marriage for college football. Like, football is back. I give the remote away all year long so that on Saturday I can sit down and I don't care who it is. I will watch anybody. But praise God, the SEC is coming back. Um, years ago, I've, our, our children's minister, Allison Umber, um, we've been friends for a really long time. Like, we went to church together in high school. We worked at a church together before. And uh, then we ended up in college. I went to A&M, and she went to Baylor. Every year we had a standing thing where if it was in College Station, she would drive down, we'd go to the game. If it was in Waco, I'd drive up, go to the game. And we would wear our respective shirts, and we had to take a picture at the end of the game with the scoreboard. It was a good time for me. <laughs> Every year that I went to a game, my, you couldn't blow torch the smile off my face at the, in those pictures because we annihilated them, except one year. <laughs> One year for the first time in 20 years, Baylor beat A&M. And by the grace of God, I could not get off work. It wasn't by choice because I expected to win. But I had to work that day. So I'm still in College Station. And my phone starts ringing. And it starts ringing. And I'm getting voicemail after voicemail of my enemy boasting over me. Mm -mm. I did not like it. I didn't like it at all. And in the midst of this prayer, David goes, God, I do not want those that would rail against you. Baylor Bears. No, I'm kidding. Um, pretentious. I don't want the people that would rail against you to be able to boast over me. So God, answer me. Where are you? I'm crying out, where are you? How long, oh Lord, where are you? And he's desperate about it. And then this happens. In verse 5 it says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. By the end of this prayer, which is six verses long, right? This is a quick prayer. Like this isn't one of those like high priestly prayers where you're going, please say amen at the end. of Like this is six verses. In verse one, he thinks he has been abandoned by God. But a few moments in prayer later, he says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. A simple change happens. David remembers. David was a man after God's own heart. 
David knew all of the amazing things that God had done in his life, and he remembers. So even in uncertain times, trust and rejoice. Because that's what David talks himself into in about 10 seconds. If you read that, it doesn't take long to get through. But he goes from where is God to remembering. And so he says, I have trusted. That's past tense for the not English majors like myself. He remembers back. He just simply starts to think about God and he says, I remember that you love me. I remember the times that you have carried me through adversity. I remember the times where I've walked through uncertainty and yet I came out on the other side and you had never left me. He remembers. Instead, at this point, David has talked himself into a moment of rejoicing. He's still on a feeling standpoint, but now his feelings are being directed towards God instead of his feelings directing him towards depression and uncertainty. Like, he has hit this moment where he says, I remember just how good you are. I remember your grace. I remember your love. I remember your mercy. And he says, I can rejoice. He says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. A lot of times we misquote some of the things that are said in Psalms, right? There's times we think about David himself and we say, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That's not how that verse reads. It's restore to me the joy of your salvation. Like David remembers that this unbelievable gift of grace was given to him that he had nothing to do with. And we believe that, right? Because like if you say, like, do you want to split the glory with God over your salvation? No. <laughs> like I don't, I don't divide that glory. I say, God, it, you get all of it. And David goes, I remember that you gave me this gracious love. I remember your salvation finding its way to me. And he remembers and he praises him. And he says, man, I'm going to sing out because he has dealt bountifully with me. So as we walk through uncertainty, one of the ways we get through that is simply reflecting back on who he is and watching the change that that makes in our life. David sat down one night and he starts to write and he just feels like, God, I don't know if you're here. God, I don't feel you. And in a few moments of just thinking back to the grace that had been given to him and how good God was, his tone goes from where are you to your salvation. When we face uncertainty, let's take a moment and stop and think about what God has done for us. Think of the way that he's blessed us. My gosh. I know it's a weird year, but come on. Like, we have air conditioning in this building. <laughs> Or heat earlier this week. That was weird. Most of us are going to get into a vehicle and drive home. Most of us right now can at least go take a breath. We're blessed with family. Blessed with the jobs that he's given us. My gosh, we got more money than anybody else in the world. And those are just material. <laughs> Then we think about, man, God looked down on this earth. And years and years ago, he looked at a young man and said, I'm going to save you. And for many of you, he, he looked down whatever that moment in time was, maybe today for somebody, and said, today, 
my grace is going to be poured out on you, and I'm going to take you from this broken, stone-hearted vessel, and I'm going to make you into a new creation. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. My gosh, we're blessed. And when I think about that, and I think about all the things that he's done just in my life, and I can watch that over year and year and year, okay, if something's uncertain, the certain thing that I know is that God's still in control. He's not changed. He never looked at 2020 and went, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> he just doesn't. Because he's looked back on like World War II. <laughs> he's seen all of this stuff. Like there's nothing that surprises him because there's nothing in all of the universe that he can't look at and go, mine. Including time, including the grace that's been poured out on us. And so when things seem uncertain, know this. God is certainly in control. And there's times where we need to remember that and trust like David did, and where we need to just take a step back and go, man, I was freaking out a little bit, but man, my God is big and he is in control and he has got this. And sometimes we can feel so uncertain, but when we trust God within a few moments of prayer, we can go, I'm reminded that you are in control and that I'm just going to follow after you. Let's pray. God, we love you. And God, I feel like today, I know there's a lot of people that, yeah, there's a lot of wonder going on. And not wonder in awe, but wonder in... We got people that need answers. And God, maybe they are crying out like David, like, how long? God, my prayer for every one of those people today is that your word and your grace would sweep over them in such a way where they would go, God, I rejoice. I rejoice in your salvation. And God, if there is someone here today and they wrestle with that, about do I, do I really know him? If that's you and man, as we've talked about the grace of God through Jesus Christ, and you go, man, I need that. It's just simply, maybe you pray this, God, as best as I know how, I want to follow you. I want to turn away from my life, and I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. And if you do that today, whether it's here, if it's online, we want to celebrate that. I would encourage you to come and talk to one of our staff, put it on a Connect card. We'd love to follow up with you. But when we walk out of here today, even if there are a lot of questions and uncertainty, I pray that we would trust and know that God is good and he is in control. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.